straight out of context. For God so loved the world, I can do all things through Christ. Behold, I stand at the door and I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. God's not wishing for any to perish, for by his wounds you were healed. I pray that you may all prosper and be in good health. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Ask and it will be given, seek and you will find, knock and it shall be opened to you. Judge not that you be not judged. Train up a child in the way he should go and an eye for an eye. Repent and be baptized. We're just lifting up the name. If you ask me anything in my name, if my people who are called by my name. You know, you've heard these verses. Do you know what they mean? Straight out of context. We're starting right now. Your weekly hermeneutical podcast. Hi, my name is James and welcome to Straight Out of Context. I'm your host here on this weekly podcast and we're still in the preview stage of this podcast. During this preview stage, we're going to be giving maybe every week or two a short 10 to 15 minute podcast doing preliminary thoughts and ideas on the study and interpretation of scripture, which is hermeneutics, the science of interpreting a text. Today, I want to ask the question, why do we need to interpret the text to begin with? After all, can't we just read? Wonderful question. As a matter of fact, we can just read, and I think that that is the most important aspect of understanding Scripture. Instead of just going into the fifth chapter of John, verse 6, why don't we just start reading with John? Why don't we begin to just read the Gospel of John because we want to understand the Gospel of John? After all, there's indicators in the first century that that is exactly what the early church did. The letter was to be read or the Gospel was to be read. And then, of course, we see that the early church, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and thereby they began to study even more deeply the scriptures. One thing I want to share with you today, though, is in that attempt to read, we need to read with the right eyes. First and foremost, we need to read with spiritual eyes, and that is only going to happen for those who are truly born of God. In other words, unbelievers may have an academic view of Scripture, and they may even believe some of the things that are contained therein, but until we are actually born again through the Holy Spirit, we will not have a spiritual mind. The Bible actually teaches that those who are in the flesh, that is the natural man, the unregenerate man, are hostile to God. They cannot comprehend Him. And indeed, they do not seek after him. So when we come to the Bible, we need to recognize that we can understand what is being taught within its pages because the Holy Spirit, God, he actually can help us to grasp it. Another eye or point of view that we need to have when we're reading Scripture is to remember that the text that we're reading is thousands of years old. No, not the language that we're reading, especially for us who read English. It's not that old. But the text originally was written thousands of years ago. The New Testament in itself is over 2,000 years old. So we need to recognize that there are a lot of things that may or may not make sense to us if we try to cram the Bible in its interpretation and also application into the 21st century. So we need to realize that as we're looking through the text, this letter was written to a people who are 2,000 years away from us in antiquity. Also, there are 2,000-year-old authors. In other words, they use things and phrases and words and nuances and syntax that may or may not fit our 
present-day life. Therefore, we need to look at the Bible in its original intention by understanding who wrote it and who read it first. And in doing so, we can understand a little bit better as to the intention of the author's meaning. Now, let's talk about meaning for a moment. When we see this big 2,000-plus year gap between our time and the time of the original writers and hearers, we need to realize that there are some things that will be difficult to decipher. But those are very rare in Scripture. For example, if we start thinking about if we start thinking about the qualifications of a pastor that we see written to Timothy by the Apostle Paul, and we see that the pastor should be a one-woman man or the husband of one wife, we try to say, well, what does that really mean? And there's been a lot of controversy and debate on exactly how to understand that and apply that text. Some people say, well, a man must be married. It's implied that he has a wife and he must love her deeply. Some people say he must be married and can only have been married once. Whether through divorce or death, a second wife would disqualify him. Some people would say, well, he shouldn't be a polygamist. Do we really even think polygamy was practiced during the first century, especially with the Jewish people? I don't think it was. So what do we do with those types of things? Well, that's when we go to the context of the Scripture, and we also understand the fullness and the holistic synergy of other and other parts of Scripture where we can learn exact meanings. But back to the point of today's podcast. We have a very large chasm between us and the original hearers. And while that doesn't make a huge difference, it needs to be in our mind so that when we see small things pop up, we don't put them into our own setting. Let me give you an example. If we go to the first letter to the Corinthians that Paul wrote in the New Testament, we see the idea of wisdom, of soothsayers, the wise of the age. We see all sorts of expressions on orderly worship. And if we're not careful as we're reading, our mind's eye will take us to a place where there's a lot of people wearing tunics and sandals, sitting around in a Palestinian culture and a Greek culture and a Jewish culture, and they're all sitting there neatly and nicely and quietly on the floor with their scrolls out, and some man standing up at a half-made lectern, and he's just teaching Scripture. But that was not practice in the first century. We'll also think about the Lord's table. And if you want to learn more about some of the practices of the church, tune in next week on our Are You Listening podcast, which is our short daily, and we'll talk about some of the interesting things that we do in the traditions and practice of our church. Think of the Lord's table. Did they pass out little tiny things of wine? Did they pass out little tiny things of grape juice? Did they pass out little wafers or unleavened bread? No, the first century church actually ate a meal together. It was known even as the love feast, where the church would assemble as often as they were able, each person bringing certain types of food and beverages, mostly wine, and then they would get together and eat for the purpose of eating. They would then exercise in obedience the remembrance of Christ and his death on the cross through the bread and the wine, then the blood and the body of Christ. So in that, we often think, well, they were doing the Lord's table the way we do. No, they didn't do it like us at all. And these are the types of things I think we need to understand. Most importantly, as we begin to apply Scripture to our daily lives and pastors, as we begin to apply Scripture to the life of the church, we need to be very careful to remember that there is a big difference. 
Now, you might say, how are we supposed to know what's really going on in the Scripture? Well, there's two things to keep in mind in that. Number one, the theological truths that are found in Scripture have no respect to the culture. The culture has no bearing on their application in the sense that we learn them and understand them and apply them, especially in a spiritual sense. But when it comes to some of the other areas of Scripture, the narratives, we talked earlier about not commanding the narrative, but when we see the narrative, it doesn't mean that we have to actually emulate what the first century looked like. But there are places in the Bible, for example, Luke's writing, the gospel accounts, and of course the history of Acts that we see there by Dr. Luke. We can see some of the journeys and some of the nuances of the first century church. There are also other places that we can go to find interesting details about the culture. There were many historians during that day, and there are many learned men throughout the centuries who have spent a lot of time studying the cultures. But at the end of the day, we need to go back to the Bible and recognize that we don't need outside sources in order to understand the truth of God's Word. And if there are some cultural nuances and differences because of the big gap in time, great. We keep that in mind, but ultimately, we trust in the Holy Spirit of God to give us what we need to understand in the Scripture. And then collectively, as the church, we then have a safety net because we know that what we think is not as important as what was taught. That is another podcast in itself. Thank you for listening. Talk to you soon.